Praise God, praise God, praise God. So thankful for the power of the Holy Ghost that I feel here this morning. And one more time to all of our guests, if you're new here, if this is your first time or second time, you're watching online or you're here in person, we welcome you in Jesus' name. We are so glad that you're here at the sanctuary worshiping Jesus with us. I'm going to direct your attention to one verse of Scripture here at the beginning of this message, John chapter 14, John chapter 14, so thankful for what I feel here today. If you're here, if you've never been filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you can receive it before this service is over. If you've never repented of your sins, if you've never asked Jesus to forgive you of your sins, Jesus Christ can forgive you of every sin that you have ever committed and he doesn't need five years to forgive you he can forgive you in just a moment he can forgive you in just a second we believe that the power and the presence of God is for everybody as I came up here and we were worshiping with the choir concluding their song I looked out across the auditorium I saw right here in the front I saw little Braxton lifting his hands and doing this to the song. And I looked in the back, and I saw Sister West all the way in the back. Wave your hand, Sister West. Uh, and, and, and she's back there lifting her hands, worshiping the Lord of the song. It doesn't matter if you're a couple years old or more than a couple years old. Uh, God's presence is for you. It doesn't matter if, if you grew up coming to this church or this is your first time. And you're trying to decide whether you ought to make an exit because these folks are crazy in here. God's presence is for you. doesn't matter what you grew up with or around religiously. We believe the power of God is for absolutely whosoever will. God wants to do something great in your life today. The Gospel of John chapter 14 verse number 12. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. Look at your neighbor and say, that would have been good enough. But he doesn't stop there. He says, and greater works than these shall he do. Greater works than these. Jesus, do you know what you're saying? You've done some pretty nifty stuff. He said, you're going to do these works. No, greater works than these are you going to do. Mm. We are launching into a new series today called Greater Than. Everybody say greater than. Turn around and high five somebody. Say, God's going to do something greater than you're expecting. Here's what I'm believing for today and what I'm believing for in this series. I am believing that Jesus Christ is going to be true to his word. And he is going to do some works that are going to blow our minds. God is ready to work in our community in the Quad Cities. God is ready to work right here at the sanctuary collectively. And God is ready to work in every family, in every home that's represented in this church. If you believe that, you ought to clap your hands and give him praise 
in advance of what he will do. Lord, we worship you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so this first message of this series I'm preaching, it's time to step out. It's time to step out. Look at your neighbor say, you got to step. One more time, would you just ask Jesus to talk to you in this service? Jesus, we love you. We thank you for your presence. God, speak to us today through the authority and the power of your word. God, change hearts and minds and lives and do what only you can do. And we will give you glory and praise in Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. amen. Turn to somebody, say greater than. Amen. Turn to somebody else, say it's time to step out. And you can be seated in Jesus' name. The late author and statistician, Dr. Larry Loudon, devoted some 20 years of his career to the study of risk management. In 1994, he published his findings in a book called The Book of Risk, a fascinating group of facts about Chances that we take every single day. Now, before you say, Pastor, I'm not really the risk taker, that doesn't apply to me. What he proved in his book is that simply being alive is risky. <laughs> Just breathing air has some risk. But Loudon also concluded in his findings that we live in a society that has become so fear-driven that we often suffer as individuals and collectively from uh, a, a term that he calls risk lock, risk lock, which is similar to gridlock in traffic where you are locked down, unable to move, unable to go forward, unable to go backwards, unable to go anywhere. He concluded in his findings that, uh, on risk management that he published in this, the first of his books on risk, that everything in life has some measured level of risk to it. Everything is risky. He said, if you're looking, this is a quote, he said, if you're looking for absolute safety and security, you chose the wrong species to be born into. He said, you can try to stay at home to avoid risk, but you may end up as one of the 500,000, half a million Americans every year that go to the emergency room for falling out of bed in their home. Being in bed is even risky, especially if you're sleeping in and missing church. <laughs> that was free. You can cover your windows to, you can try to keep people out and you can try to uh, pretend that that uh, everything's okay on the outside world or the inside world. You can lock everybody away shutting your blinds but you can become one of the 10 people in America every year that go to the hospital after hanging themselves accidentally on the cords of their blinds. He said you can hide all your money in a mattress. You can pile all your money under the bed and and not put it in a bank because a bank is too risky. A bank could collapse, but you could become, this was astounding to me, one of the 20 
thousand people a year that visit hospitals due to cuts from handling their money. Paper cuts from handling their money. And infection that sets in. Can you imagine the germs that would be on all of those bills in your wallet? I don't know about you, but I don't ever really get bills that are that crisp. Mine are more worn and soggy by the time you, you get a hold of them. But what Loudon uh, concluded and what he found was absolutely correct is that if you're looking for absolute safety and security, you were born into the wrong species. There is no safety as long as you're breathing air. In fact, I think, and I would propose to you, that our addiction to safety and security, our addiction to comfort in the 21st century church, could be what poses the single greatest threat to us becoming the disciples of Jesus Christ that he wants us to come. It may be that our addiction to safety and comfort and ease may be the biggest single threat to what God wants us to do as he calls us to follow him in this risk and reward filled journey of discipleship. You see God in the word he calls us to change our world. He doesn't call us to blend into our world. He doesn't call us to be like our world, but he calls us to change our world. But there's this problem because while we're called to change the world, we also want to be comfortable. I want to do something great for God as long as it means ease and comfort and pleasure and good things and no discomfort in my life. I, I've come to tell you first this morning that we're not the first ones who have had this problem. The 12 disciples that followed Jesus, they had a little aversion to risk as well. They were addicted to their safety and comfort as well. In fact, so much so that the Bible tells us in the book of Matthew chapter 14 that Jesus did something absolutely drastic. Jesus did something that we might look at and think, that's absolutely crazy. And you know what he did? He called them out of a place of comfort. And he said, I want you to go into a storm. Some of you may remember about four months ago I preached about this passage. In Matthew chapter 14, he sends them from a place of safety into a storm. Now that's not the lovable, huggable Jesus that we see depicted on pictures at Easter. Jesus pulls them out of their safety and he sends them headlong into uncertainty. Matthew chapter 14 records this and, and, and tells us that Jesus sends them out. He calls them out of the boat. He calls them out of the boat. And when he calls them out of the boat, if you want to follow along, it's in uh, Matthew chapter 14 and verse 22. The Bible says he calls them out of the boat. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat. Now, Jesus, are you sure we have to do this? Because where I'm at feels real good right now. It's real easy, it's real comfortable, it's real peaceful. It feels really good right now. But he calls them and puts them into a boat. He puts them into the boat. And as we read on in successive verses, we find that that boat sails headlong into a storm. Now, easy question. Do you think Jesus knew there was going to be a storm? Do you think the storm surprised Jesus? 
No. So then that tells me that Jesus must have been doing something with eternal intentionality to teach the disciples that if you're going to change the world, you've got to be willing to get off the shore and you've got to be willing to get out of your comfort zone. You've got to be willing to sail into some things that he's going to lead you into. But the good news is, as you read on in the story, when they got in the middle of the storm, guess who found them in the middle of the storm? Jesus comes walking on the water and sees them in their storm. I've come to preach to somebody that you are not in any difficulty that Jesus doesn't know about. There is no sickness in your body that Jesus is not aware of. There is no problem in your family that Jesus does not know about. There is no difficulty in your finances that Jesus is not aware of. But what I've got to understand is sometimes he sends me out of a place of comfort to sail headlong into uncertainty because it is in those times that he teaches me and he shows me that I am not alone. He is with me. He is beside me. And he knows the way that I take. Oh, somebody clap hands and give God praise that he knows where you're at right now. He knows where you're at. He sends them into a storm. And the Bible goes on to tell us as they are in the storm, as they are battling against everything going on in the storm, Jesus comes out and he walks to them and he finds them. Think about this with me. He calls them out of safety. He sends them into the storm. But no matter how deep you get in the storm, you'll never be so deep that Jesus can't find you. I've seen some people come a far way off to find Jesus. I've seen Jesus. There's people in this room right now. There's people in this room right now that you are far from God. You were messed up. We got people in this room. We got people who are in this choir and on this platform that when Jesus came to where they were, they were hooked on drugs. Their marriages were broken, a mess, over. Uh, their lives were being absolutely destroyed by their decisions. You may be sitting by some of those people right now, but Jesus knows how to find you in your storm. The grace of God is never too weak uh, that it cannot lift you out. Uh, the arm of God is never too short uh, that he cannot reach you uh, in your midnight hour. He knows how to find you in your storm. I just feel that word for somebody here today that no matter what you're battling against, you're not alone. Jesus knows where you're at and Jesus knows how to find you. Jesus knows how to get to where you are. Jesus is not ignorant of what you're wrestling with. Look at what it says in verse 24 and 25. The boat was already a considerable distance from land. In other words, it was in the middle of the sea. Verse 24 and 25, it says the boat was in the middle of the sea. If, you are un if you're someone who underlines in your Bible, I do. I write in the margins of my Bible and make notes and underline. That, that'd be a good three phrases to underline. It was in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, and the wind was contrary. In the middle of the sea... Tossed by the waves, 
and the wind was contrary. That, that middle of the sea, the Greek word, uh, it, it, literally means, it literally means that they were in the middle of the ocean. The, the mileage would have been that they would have been literally in the dead center of the sea. It says they were tossed by the waves or buffeted by the waves. The Greek word literally means that the boat was being tortured. They were being tortured by the waves. And then it says it was the fourth watch of the night. The wind was contrary to them. Roman soldiers would break the, the watches of the night up into four watches. The first watch, uh, 6 to 9 p.m. The second watch, 9 to midnight. The third watch, midnight to 3. Uh, and the fourth watch would be 3 to 6 a.m. It was the fourth watch. Uh, what that means is that nobody was coming to find them. Uh, they were in trouble and nobody was coming to look for them. Uh, nobody knew they were out there. There was no United States Coast Guard that was sending a rescue chopper. It was pitch black. Uh, the boat was about to implode. Uh, but I'm telling you again, if nobody else is coming to find you, Jesus is coming to find you. If nobody else knows where you're at, Jesus knows where you're at. Jesus finds them. He walks to them in the middle of the sea. And I've got to hurry here. They think it's a ghost. It's not a ghost. He speaks to them. They know that, that it's him. And then the next thing he does is... is it just doesn't seem rational. It doesn't seem reasonable. They're already in a sea, and Jesus comes to them, and then Jesus calls them to step out. Jesus allows one of them, Simon Peter, to step out and be where he is. Can I tell you that if you want to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, you can get, you can never get so settled and so comfortable in the foxhole of Christianity that you refuse to step out and walk where Jesus is moving. I can never get to a place where I am so comfortable with the blessings and the benefits of being a believer in Jesus Christ that I am not willing to get up and walk where he is. I've got to be willing to take a step of faith. Can I preach a little faith to you right now? Faith does not equal comfort. Faith does not equal at ease. Faith does not mean that I am just lulled to sleep and I'm just relaxed and I'm in a, a well-fed spiritual food coma. Faith requires that I get up and I'm willing to step out of the boat because if that's where Jesus is moving, I want to move in concert with the steps of Jesus. Why does he call us to get out of the boat? I'll tell you why he calls us to get out of the boat. It was in our text in John chapter 14. Because he says, you should be doing not just the works I do, but you should be doing greater works than what you have seen me do. Brothers and sisters, we will never do the greater things that Jesus has called us to do while we sit comfortable in our secure safety nets and our boats of religion and our boats of of mechanical spirituality we will never see the greater things that Jesus wants us to see as long as we rest on our past victories but God is calling us to reach forward God is calling us to press on God is calling us to believe him for greater works than we've ever seen him do before
I'm, I'm not just preaching in theory. I'm telling you, God wants us to see greater works in every family in this church. God wants us to see works that are greater than whatever he's done in the past in every single disciple's life in this building right now. Now, I know that sounds far-fetched. Jesus, this same God who turned water to wine, this, this same God who opened deaf ears and healed the blind, opened their eyes, uh, and he raised the dead. He even raised himself from the dead. How cool is that? Uh, how in the world can you top what Jesus did? We used to sing an old song years ago that said it gets sweeter and sweeter as the days go by. Anybody remember that song? 14 of you. I'm dating myself. You know what? There was truth in that song. Because that really is, that really encapsulates the way that God works. It gets sweeter and sweeter as the days go by. God never intended his church's greatest days to be 20 years before the rapture. God never intended the church's greatest days to be in a previous generation. God never intended the church's greatest days to be something that we look back on. But no, God intends to do greater works in our generation than we have ever seen in a previous generation. God intends for us to look forward to greater things. And if he should tarry, he intends our children to see even greater things than we have seen. That's just how God works. That's just how God works. He, it says in the scripture, the evening and the morning were the first day. He starts with evening and he works till the morning. He starts with the darkness of night and he brings us into the greater daylight. He starts with darkness and then he says, let there be light. Why? Because the things of God are greater than. He starts with a mess and he makes a miracle. Why? Because the things of God are greater than. He starts with fear and then he turns it into faith. He starts with weakness and out of it he brings strength. Why? Because God works greater than. It's the way of God of moving from chaos to certainty. Moving from uncertainty to sure, solid faith. His way. It's the way of the ugly duckling and the swan. He's always getting things better. That's why he takes a wanderer, a nomad, and makes him a great nation. That's why he can take a fugitive on the run and make him a king. That's why he can take a, a, a slave and make him a prime minister. Why? Because the way God works is he is constantly moving from nothing to something and then from something to something great and from something great to something greater. Get that in your spirit. God works from nothing to something and then he goes from something to something great and then he goes from something great to something that's even greater than anything we've ever seen seen before church it's all right to get excited and let your faith rise because when I hear the enemy say oh things are going down things are getting bad the world's falling apart when all the alarmists are saying things are looking bleak things are looking dim I can say hush your mouth I am a child of God and in his kingdom it only gets greater in his kingdom it's line upon line and precept upon 
upon precept. In God's kingdom, uh, there's two answers for every question. Uh, in God's kingdom, every false of this world uh, has a truth of his word uh, because his kingdom is greater than. His kingdom is growing. His kingdom is advancing. For every doubt, there's a promise. For every dark piece of news in our world, there is a bright, enduring promise from heaven. Somebody needs to get that in your soul this morning. When I am afraid, I can rely on the God. His word says, in him there is no shadow of turning. When I'm confused, I can believe that he has a light that is greater than my confusion. When I am weak, I can have faith that there is a strength that is greater than my weakness it's the way he works the strong don't get weak the strong get stronger the light doesn't go dim the light gets even brighter the wonders get more wonderful the miracles get more miraculous it just gets greater now you contrast that to the way the enemy works, and it's not the way the enemy works. Everything the enemy does gets worse. Jesus said of the man who went from one devil to seven devils, the last state of the man was worse than the first state of the man. That's how the enemy works. He goes from bad to worse to even worse yet still. But God moves us toward a brighter day. God moves us toward a new beginning. God moves us from something to something better, to something great, to, to something even greater than still. And church, we are experiencing this. This is not theory. This is something we are watching happen right before our eyes. God is moving in our church. God is blessing in our church. This I stand and declare today, not because I'm the pastor, but because it's the truth of God's word. We are living in this church's finest day. We are living in this church's greatest hour. He is bound to his word. And his word says the great will be even greater than. I don't know if you've been noticing it around here, but God's been adding to the church. God's been adding to the church. I don't know if you've noticed, but the parking, the parking's a little tight on some Sundays. Yeah. In fact, I want to take this moment to publicly thank our music team, and I want to publicly thank our young adult group and our youth group, those that drive. We've asked them in recent weeks to start parking on the back side of the building down below by our basement entry so we can have more space for the rest of everybody else that shows up closer to 10 o'clock. And I thank them for doing that and working with us. If you look around, now this is an average day here lately, but if you look around on most Sundays, it, it, it's tight in here. There, there's areas that some of you are sitting right now where there's not much, there's, yeah, I mean, you might sit arm in arm with your friend, but somebody who don't know you doesn't want to make a thigh covenant with you during church. They don't. It's, we had to go biblical there. You're not, you're not, uh, it, 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 we're growing the nurse, you think it's tied in here. God bless Sister Annette Rader. Where's Sister Annette Rader? She back in the nursery. Give it up for our nursery staff. Our nursery staff is amazing. 
Our nursery staff is amazing. You think it's tight in here, it's even tighter in the nursery. And when church dismisses and before church, uh, and especially on bigger Sundays, our foyer is even tighter than that. Do you know in the last two weeks uh, on just Sunday services, not counting Wednesdays, I don't have the numbers from Wednesdays, uh, but just Sunday services the last two weeks, we, God has sent us 20 first-time guests uh, just in the last two Sundays alone. It's greater than. It's greater than. Some of these folks have been invited, uh, but some of them just drive by and see the church. Uh, some of them find us on social media. They find us online, on our YouTube channel. They find us in the website or Google search engines. Hey, it's a great day to be a part of the church. You know... Can you believe this? Our Wednesday crowd is growing. Our Wednesday night Bible study, if you're missing Wednesday night Bible study, you're missing. Our Wednesday night Bible study attendance is trending higher than what our Sunday average attendance was just three years ago. Think about that. God is growing his church. It's good now, but I declare that it's going to be even greater than. This is the way God wants us thinking. This is the way God God wants us believing. This is the way God wants our faith to be. That God's not done yet. It's not going to stop. It's not going to trail off. But God is going to keep adding to the church. God is going to keep growing us as believers. Oh, I wish somebody give God praise right now. Have faith for it. Have faith for it. Have faith for it. God's doing great things. But I'm believing him for even greater things. My, 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 my. You can be seated. And that's why we are launching this series today. And this series is more than just a sermon series. But through prayer and through much conversation and seeking the face of God, we feel called as a leadership team of the church to launch a three-year initiative that will begin with this sermon series. That three-year initiative is called Greater Than. Because while God has given us tremendous growth over the last three years, we have adapted and we have pivoted and we have shifted. I don't know, if you've been around here a little while, you know the last three years haven't exactly been worry-free, easy sailing. But we have pivoted and we've pivoted again. We've adapted and shifted to everything that has been thrown at us and God just keeps uh, growing the church against the odds. Aren't you thankful God works against the odds? Uh, against the odds, God just keeps growing his church. But we have yet to update or to expand or to modify our facilities to accommodate the growth that God is giving us. And so we feel called collectively as a leadership team and a church to join our efforts, uh, to sacrifice, uh, to put in 36 months of sacrifice uh, and hard work, uh, to collectively see the vision that God has for this church uh, and this community begin to come to pass. Uh, you say, Pastor, what does sacrifice and hard work uh, or facilities have to do uh, with souls? Because the kingdom of God is the only place where hard work, sacrifice, and collective effort can equal an eternal impact. We feel called to focus on our first 
and our primary mission field. Not our only mission field, but our first and our primary mission field, which is right here at home at the Sanctuary QC. We feel called to put a 36-month focus of effort and energy and sacrifice and sacrificial giving into right here in the Quad Cities what God wants to do so that we can accommodate the growth and the harvest and the increase that God is sending our way. So I want to give you some information. We've been working behind the scenes. I went back and I looked at the first email. The first email did not represent the first conversation, but it did represent the first real action that we took as a leadership team. But there was prayer that went on before that. But 18 months ago, we sent the first email, and for the last 18 months, we have been working behind the scenes. We have been listening. We've been listening to our members. We've been listening to our guests. We've been listening and asking questions of our staff and of our pastoral team and of our volunteers and people who are in the trenches every single week. We've also been assisted by multiple experts. We've called in architects and consultants and builders and we've consulted with various firms and 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 we've done a very deep feasibility study of our building now I am happy to report to you that God has already given us favor because while we have not turned over any piece of dirt and we have not moved or rearranged one wall what we have already received from architects to our architects and designers and builders and engineers should have cost us tens of thousands of dollars. In fact, it should have cost us north of six figures. But God has given us favor and we've been able to do a feasibility study of our property at zero money put into it. It has not cost us a dime. And I give God praise for that. I give God praise for that because not only is that the favor of God, but that's more money that we can put into the mission. That's more money that we can put into the growth and the harvest and the increase. We worked to ascertain what would be the most cost effective and the most productive solution for the growth that God is giving us. And we feel we've done the work to discern what God has called us to do. And, and I'm telling you, it's incredible. It is staggering. It's, it, it's mind-blowing. You're going to be blown away when you hear it, and you're going to be blown away when you see about it. Because you're going to first, you're going to look at you're going to look at it, and you're going to say, why did we wait this long to do this, Pastor? And, 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 and and secondly, I'm praying everybody's going to want to jump in and get involved in what God is going to do in this greater than campaign. I believe God is going to give us our, our objective. Our first objective is that everybody would be involved. That every single member that calls the sanctuary their home, that you would jump in and say, I'm going to be involved in this greater than effort. Believing that God's going to do something greater than We've set some goals. I believe in goal setting. We've set some goals that are going to move us down the road. You may say, Pastor, what, what can we do? How can we get everything done by next week that we need to get done? Well, we can't get everything done by next week that we need to get done. But we cannot afford to be paralyzed either. We can't afford to just sit around and wait 
either. So we're going to expect that God's going to do some great things. We've set some goals, some financial goals that we're believing God to raise in the next three years in three tiers of goals. The first is an expected goal. We ought to hit this if everybody gets involved, no problem. That's $500,000, a mil, half a million dollars. If we'll tap into a dimension of faith, though, I believe we can hit a faith goal. That's $850,000. But if we tap into the miraculous, I'm believing God for a miracle goal of $1.3 million that God can begin to move the mission of the church that he wants to move forward so that our children can see the growth and the revival and the increase that God wants us and them to see. Be seated for just a minute. So you say, Pastor, what are we going to do? Show us what it looks like. Tell us about it. What are we going to do? I'm not going to tell you here. <laughs> Our team is going to very quickly begin passing out a card that looks like this. I want every household to take I want every household to take two of these cards, one to turn in at the conclusion of this service uh, and one to keep with you as a reminder. Everybody say six. We are going to, starting next Sunday, starting next Sunday, October 23rd, we are going to have six VIP meetings. VIP stands for vision, everybody say vision, information, and prayer. We're going to gather together in these meetings in smaller groups, and we're going to share the vision we're going to share some information, more detailed information, and we're going to have a word of prayer. Now, each household, please take two of these. Our team is passing them out very quickly. But while they're passing them out, please listen to what I'm about to tell you. We are going to make this happen in Jesus' name. For his glory and for the furtherance of his kingdom. I've got three big asks of you right now. Okay, while you're taking, if you don't have a, two cards, lift your hand. If you're head of household and you don't have two cards, please lift your hand. Everybody has them? No, if you need one, lift your hand. If you need one, wave your hand. <laughs> Benny needs one. <laughs> Cassie, you didn't know he was the head of the household, did you? <laughs> or you may have actually known that, actually. <laughs> Hear me now. I have three big asks of you. The first, I'm asking that you RSVP to attend one of these VIP meetings over the next three weeks. There are going to be six meetings, essentially identical meetings, but they're going to be different times and different days. Child care will be provided at three of those meetings, and those are notated with an asterisk. And I promise you, you're going to love what you hear and what you're going to see can happen if we all pull together. The second thing I'm going to ask you to do. Now these cards, I want you to fill this out today if you can. If you know your schedule, I want you to fill it out today. Brother Larry Wall is going to put some buckets across. And our pastoral team is going to put some buckets across the front of this altar very quickly. And there's going to be ushers. Ushers, hold your buckets up in the back. Let everybody see. You're going to put these in. If you know how to fill this out already, you know what day you can do. You're going to put one of them in the, one of these buckets before you leave here today. And then you're going to keep one of them with you as a reminder. I'm asking you to RSVP that every family would come to one of these meetings. 
Secondly, I'm asking you to make it a priority to be at these next four Sunday morning services. These are going to be some of the most critical services that we've ever had in our church. I know maybe you already have plans. Maybe you got something going on. If you can change them, if you can postpone it, whatever you do, I want, I want you to know that what you're going to hear and what you're going to see and what God's going to do in the next four Sundays is going to blow our minds. The third thing I want you to do is I want you to plan to be here for vision night. Everybody say vision night. Vision night is November 6th. Everybody already got a postcard about it. Now, Vision Night is something that we do every year. You can come casual. It, it's going to be a special evening. On Vision Sunday, that morning and Vision Sunday night, we've got a guest speaker with us. Brother Stan Gleason from Kansas City, Missouri is going to be preaching for us that Sunday. November 6th. You're not going to want to miss it. That's my pastor. And, and you, if you never heard him, you are going to be blessed. You're going to be blessed. God is going to do some special things in our life. So I'm asking you to fill out that card. I'm asking you to make it a priority to be at the next four Sunday services that we're going to have as a part of launching this campaign. And then the third thing I'm asking you to do is make sure you are here on Vision Night and Vision Sunday morning. It's going to be a special day for our church. Hear me today. Joshua chapter 3 lets us know that when we step out, God makes a way. God never leaves his people without a witness of his power and his provision. Not one time in the history of mankind has God ever let his people down. When I step, God moves into action. Joshua chapter 3, read this on the screen with me. It says, And as those bore the ark came to the Jordan, the feet of the priests who bore the ark dipped in the edge of the water. For the Jordan overflows all its banks during the whole time of harvest. That the waters which came down from upstream stood still and rose in a heap very far away at Adam. Understand what was happening with the people of God. They were stepping in, into a new place of promise. They were stepping into a new place where God was going to give them victories. The victory of Ai was still ahead of them. The possession of the enemy's stuff was still ahead of them. There was victory after victory that laid in front of them. But God said, the first thing you got to do is you got to cross the Jordan River. Well, guess what? The Jordan River, at that particular point, would have been muddy at best any other time of year. Except, the Bible says, at harvest season. It was flooded during the time of harvest. That was a time where rains would wash down from further up the river and the river would flood and where you would be able to walk around in, in maybe dirt or even mud previously. When the harvest season came, it would be flooded. It would be water that you couldn't, it wouldn't even be safe to swim in. And guess what time of year God tells his people 
to cross the Jordan. He got it. Harvest time. He said, this God who could have had them cross three months earlier, and they would have walked through with ease. No problem, right? But maybe they would have got to the promised place, and they would have said, we did that on our own. But God says, I want you to cross the river into a place of promise. And you're going to do it at the worst possible time. You're going to do it when the river is flooded. And you're going to do it when things are uncertain. Pastor, you're going to do it when the world is in upheaval. You're going to do it when the economy is crazy. You're going to do it when the things are flooded and we don't know how it's going to do or how it's going to turn out. Are you? Have you lost your mind, God? Have you lost your mind, Pastor? You're calling us to cross the Jordan River at the worst possible time to cross. But God says, I want you to know when you get on the other side that it was not by your hand alone. But if you'll just step out, if you'll just take a step of faith, God says, I'm going to show you what I can do with your faith. I'm preaching that God's just calling us to step out. God's calling us to step out, not just as a church, but individually in our families, individually in our lives. God wants us to step out. And as we stand together, I want you to watch what God does when they took the step. The Bible says the waters rolled back. But did you catch what the Lord said? about what happened to the waters way back. It was some 19 miles upstream. Watch this. From where they crossed was the city of Adam. God says, I want you to cross something that seems insurmountable. I want you to cross something that seems impassable. Anybody ever face something? Seems like you couldn't get through it. Like you couldn't get across it. This is a word for you. This isn't just a word for our church. This is a word for every struggling believer in this room right now. God says, you see this thing that seems impossible? Well, when your feet touch the water, God says, you're going to see the miracle. But you just need to know, the miracle didn't start right then. The miracle started 19 miles upstream. Oh, hear what I'm saying right now. The miracle doesn't start when we step out. Hey, the miracle for this church doesn't start the Sunday morning we launch the campaign. The miracle's already been happening behind the scenes. You know what God does? God says when you step in the water, you're going to see the miracle happen in your life. But what you didn't know is I was already piling up the water 19 miles downstream. What you didn't know in your family is that I was already working in a way you didn't know. What you didn't know is while you were praying and believing, I was already doing something that you couldn't even see. Oh, somebody needs to step out in faith today. Somebody needs to make a bold declaration of faith and say, God, I'm believing. I'm stepping forward in faith. I'm stepping out in promise. I'm believing that you're a way maker. I'm believing that you're a problem solver. I'm believing that you're going to make a way out of no way. 
Oh, come on, this altar's open right now. I'm inviting everyone that would to step out of where you're at and lift up your voice. If you want to bring your reservation, go ahead and put it in this bucket and then step back and begin to give God praise right now. Somebody step back and begin to touch heaven right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray right now that you would allow our faith to put our toes in the water, that you would allow our faith to put our toes in the river, that you would allow our faith to just take a step here today. Come on, lift up your hands and your voice all across this room. I feel a sweeping, sovereign move of the Spirit. Come on, that's it. Lift up your voice right now. Lift up your voice all across this room. Lift up your voice all across this room. Lift up your voice all across this room. If you're believing God to do something in your family that is greater than. If you're believing God something to do something in your marriage that is greater than. In your kids that is greater than. In your finances that is greater than. In your ministry that is greater than. I wish you would just lift up your voice. Close your eyes and begin to cry out to God. In the name of Jesus, God, I pray that you would prove your word yet again. God, I pray that you would baptize us with your spirit yet again, Lord. Let there be a way. Let there be a way. Let there be a way. Let there be a way.